Our scripture this morning is Luke 11, 1 through 13. He was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us, and do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, Suppose you, suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks, receives, and everyone who searches, finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Colin. Join me in a moment of prayer. We've already asked for your presence to be among us, and we've assumed that it is by the way in which we've offered our prayer and sung you our praise. Now, God, we ask you to be among us so that we might find deep within our own hearts and our questioning and seeking minds the assurance and experience of holy, divine grace. Speak to us, move in us, confirm us, and bless us not by the power of my words, but by the blessing and joy of your word. Let this time, this worship, and us be dedicated and offered to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Ray McGee is a friend of mine in the conference. He is pastor down at Detroit Metropolitan Church down on Woodward. He and his wife, Dar, are blessed to have a, uh, a place they call the do-over cabin uh, that they uh, have been working on for a number of years and now is a very nice uh, retreat in the, the deep woods not far from the Mason Track on the Osable River. And a couple of years ago, Ray encountered a colleague in ministry who was really going through a very stressful time. Things had been rough personally and professionally, and she was pretty dry, pretty worn out. And Ray said to her, if you ever find your way to Michigan, I've got this place next to the river. 
And if you want just a week or two to be by yourself and get away and let nature heal you, it's yours. And not long after that, he got a call back from her saying, you know, I really need to take you up on that offer. Is it still open? He said, definitely. And they made plans for the next spring when her calendar would open up that she would fly up to Michigan and go up to the cottage and it would be hers and she could be alone. And then we went through Advent and the turn of the new year and the spring was coming and Ray looked at his calendar and realized that it was getting close to when she should be coming up. So he called to just confirm she was coming and all that would still be in place. When he called, he received very saddening news that she had passed away suddenly not long before he made the call. She never got a chance to get to the cottage. They never got a chance to share the blessing of that cottage with her. So Ray felt that he needed to do something with this sadness that he felt and this blessing that he and his wife Dar have. And so last year, unexpectedly, I and three other guys in the conference received an invitation from Ray to come up to his cottage. We didn't know why. We were just going up. And so it happened to work out that we could go. We went up, and Ray told us a story, and he said, I decided I wasn't going to waste any more time offering what God wanted me to offer. He said, I know you guys. I, I respect what you're doing. I know you carry a heavy burden. I just want you to come have this place as a spiritual retreat. And so we had a great time together those three days last summer. And then again this spring, the invitation came again. And it was this past week that I went out to stay at Ray's cabin there next to the Asabo River. In this case, only one other member of the conference, another friend of mine, was able to come up just for a day and a half, or actually a night and, eat, and the next morning. And he came and went, and then I had three days alone by myself in a cabin next to the Asabo River. Well, of course with my fishing pole. It was divine. Actually, four days on the river, fishing, really by myself. And there was never, I think there were two other fly fishermen I came across the entire week. It was good. And I had some luck, and, and uh, on Monday and Tuesday, things went pretty well. On Wednesday, the fishing was a little bit light. And on Thursday, I went to a section of the river that is particularly known to fly fishermen as a really beautiful and rich part of the river. Rich meaning big fish. And I've been fishing all morning, throwing every kind of fly I knew how to throw and throwing it in every manner and form in which I knew how to throw it. And nothing had happened. And so I even wrote it down. At 10.27 on Thursday morning, I prayed to God, God, give me a fish. Now, I don't know what you think about that prayer, whether you think it was too trivial or too silly. Uh, certainly the fact is I didn't need a fish to survive on. In fact, I couldn't take a fish. I was fishing in a, what's called a catch-and-release zone. You can't take any fish. You catch them and you release them. So it wasn't about survival or a supper that night. It's just very simply this. There are two reasons why I prayed that prayer. The first is... I wanted to catch a big fish. And the other is, is that I knew that I was preaching a sermon this Sunday on praying for fish, and I thought, well, why not? Let's risk it and see what happens. So I prayed for a fish. 
1027 on Thursday morning. And I can tell you that while I was sitting on the bank there tying up my next fly, what happened in the next moment was the fact that my mind was taken to other moments when I have prayed prayers to God. Some that may seem trivial, some maybe that weren't. I've prayed prayers to God to help me, oh, recently help me find my phone at 3 in the morning when I had lost it south of Cleveland on my way down to North Carolina. God was sleeping then. I never found my phone. I prayed for God to help us win the game when we were down in the fourth quarter and things were running a little tight. I prayed for God much earlier in my life that she would answer the phone when I called. I prayed for all manner of things. The traffic would open up so I could get to where I was trying to get to and not be late. And I prayed for things like their suffering to stop, their relationship to be healed for them not to die. I've prayed a lot of different kinds of prayers in my life. I expect you have too. And after all that praying, I expect that most of us have had to reconcile what we think about prayer based on what those experiences have been like. A lot of times those experiences become for us, moments in prayer, a test of what we think about God about whether God is listening, or even if God is there. Some of us, I know some of you in this room in particular, have testimonies about moments when you can point to when you prayed to God and the miraculous happened. It was clearly for you proof of God's power and presence in your life. I know there are others of you who can talk today very clearly that you have been blessed with the gift of unanswered prayer. You look back at a time when you were praying so hard for something that never came to pass, and then reflecting back months or years later, you now are glad it didn't. I know there are some here in the room today who have felt the pain and still feel the pain. Maybe you're feeling the pain right now of heartfelt prayer that just seems to be going nowhere. And I know that there are some of us who've come to believe that at best, prayer is not reliable. It's not something you can count on. In fact, it has such little impact in your life that you really wonder whether you should keep praying. Quite frankly, maybe you've quit praying. Because you keep saying words in the space and nothing changes, and why bother? And so we come today with a lot of different attitudes about prayer, a lot of different experiences and conclusions from those experiences. And we may still wonder a little bit, what about prayer? How can we pray? What is prayer about? We have all these questions. Well, so did the disciples. They saw John the Baptist teaching his disciples about prayer, and they were a little jealous about that. So one day they turned to Jesus to see him off praying. He comes back, he says, hey, Jesus, Teach us how to pray. And so he lifts up the prayer that you just heard Colin read. It's a familiar prayer. You know it well. You know the first two words. What are they? Our Father. It's what we're going to call the Lord's Prayer. And the prayer itself is too full, too rich 
for us to get into today. We've done it before. I've preached a whole series on the Lord's Prayer before. I could preach it over again probably every year and find new things to say and to discover. But I want to at least suggest to you today that the Our Father prayer, the Lord's Prayer here, does tell us very quickly this. It's not special incantation. It's not a series of words that you can say that mystically makes something happen. Rather, it's an invitation. It's an invitation to the disciples who wanted to know how to pray and for disciples today who are still trying to figure it out to enter into a new way of seeing the world, seeing themselves, and into a new relationship. Our. Our changes the understanding of prayer immediately because, quite frankly, if I'm to be confessional, most of my prayer, not shaped by the Our Father prayer, is a my prayer. God, here's what my needs are. Here's what my thoughts are. Here's what my desires are. Here's what my brokenness is. Here's, here's what my long list is. We pray my. We immediately Jesus reorganizes my thinking around and says, you know what, when I enter into prayer, it's not about just my, it's about our. So when I'm praying, I need to take in consideration not just my needs, desires, wants, etc., but ours. I need to be aware of what Don's thinking about or praying for going through. I need to be thinking about what Luke's thinking about, what he needs from God. I need to be taking a look at Robin's and looking at all of our lives and beginning to raise the question, I wonder what's happening among all of us places my prayer life in a different context. And it's about a prayer that goes not to this mystical wizard in the sky, God, but to my father, my mother. One who's so intimate, so close to me, so invested in me, that already knows what my stuff is. And amazingly, loves me in spite of it. And wants to move in my presence in my life. And so immediately this prayer contextualizes all the rest of my prayer life. From a mind to our experience and to a one who is so intimately connected to us. And then and Jesus confirms what he means by this when he goes on to say in the second part of the scripture that was read today. That it's okay to pray for fish. Well, that's not exactly what he says, but what he says is he talks about a, a person who has unexpected guests arrive in the middle of the night, and he's not prepared for them, he's going to have food to offer them, and in a culture where hospitality was the most important thing, that's a critical issue. So in need, what does he do? He goes next door to his neighbor, his friend, and he knocks on the door at 2.30 in the morning and says, hey, I got these folks arrived. I need some stuff. Can you, can you help me out? And of course, 2.30 in the morning, friend or not, Amy, I'm not coming to the door right away. There you go. But, because it's you, I will eventually get up. Because eventually a friend is motivated to help a friend out. And that's what happens. And most people take out of this passage the fact that what we're supposed to do is nag God to death until God finally just gives in and says, I can't withstand R.C.'s nagging. But I think what the message is not that. I think it's this. Who does the guy in need go to? 
friend. Somebody that he knows. Somebody that there's a relationship with that assumes that there's a likelihood that there'll be a compassionate ear and caring in response. He doesn't go to a stranger down the street. You know what happens when you call out in prayer or in request to somebody who doesn't know you down the street at 2.30 in the morning? They call the cops on you. See, prayer is assuming, our Father is assuming, that what its fundamental task is not necessarily getting on my list answered, but rather that I'm entering into a relationship with the God I'm praying to and to everyone else who's praying as well. And that as I pray, over the years, throughout all of the highs and lows, I begin to establish a relationship with this God who becomes not some foreign power, but this intimate presence. And my prayer life becomes shaped not by the times God answered me or God didn't, but rather by the community of others who are praying with me. So that when we come together, we no longer testify the miraculous assurance that God is real by the times that God has answered prayer, but rather by the times we have been with God in prayer. And where there have been answers, we give God thanks and praise, and we share that. And where God seems not to be answering and the pain and the trials remain, we now have the assurance that I've got a relationship with other prayers who are going to walk through that time with me. So what if that were our testimony to the world? What if that were what we said to the world? Not, you know, we, we believe in God because God answers my prayers. What's basically saying to the people outside of the faith community, and if God doesn't answer yours, then nuts to you. What if it were instead, what we have found the power of prayer to be is the way it changes our community and shapes us by the power of God in the way we think about God and think about each other and stand next to each other. And you keep praying, and I'll keep praying, and that's what will bind us together with holy and divine hope. What if that were our testimony? And as a result then, because of that, because of the strength and power that gives us, we have only one thing left to do, and that's to pray. Pray. Pray for everything. Don't filter it. Don't wonder whether it's right or wrong. Pray for your joys. Pray for your sorrows. Pray for the blessing for the meal. Pray for those who have no food. Pray for the trials that you're going through. Pray for the trials of others. Pray for those who ask for your prayer support. Pray for those who don't even know how to ask you for that. Pray for those who don't even believe in prayer. Pray, pray, pray. Don't stop praying because it's in the praying that the community is built and the blessings come. Ask whatever you want. And it shall be given to you. He's a little boy. He went to the grocery store with his mom, and as they got to the parking lot, she got out of the car and got him out of his car seat. She said to him before they went into the store, now, don't ask me for chocolate chip cookies today. You're not getting any. And they went and got in the car and started going through the first few aisles, and he was really good. He didn't ask for anything. But then she made the turn, and she went up the cookie aisle. So he looks up, and he sees the cookies. Well, what are you going to do? Mom, can I have a cookie? I want a chocolate chip cookie. No, she said. I said to you out in the parking lot, you're not getting a chocolate chip cookie. And they move on. 
And you know how it is when you're racing the grocery store, you forget something, so you have to double back, and they go back once again through the cookie aisle. Now, come on. Mom, I want a chocolate chip cookie. They're right there. Mom, can I have a chocolate chip cookie? No, you can't. I said it. You couldn't get a chocolate chip cookie today. Well, they race around the store, and they come to the checkout line, which is long and slow. Now, the little boy had been to the grocery store before. He knew what was going on. He knew they were about to leave the store. He knew he had one last shot. So looking around, he says in the loudest voice possible, in the name of Jesus Christ, can I have a chocolate chip cookie? And mom is like mortified. And all the other shoppers waiting in the long line are absolutely amused and delighted. And they get through, get their groceries, and head out to the car. By the time they get to the car, to the boy's delight and the mom's amazement, five other shoppers who watched him call upon the name of the Lord went back to the cookie aisle and gave to the little boy chocolate chip cookies. Five boxes full. (laughs) So what's the point? Well, the little boy would probably say, I got chocolate chip cookies for a while. The mom would say she has a story to put in her heart for the rest of her life. The shoppers would say we were standing in this long night and this most amazing thing happened that connected us to each other in a way which we never thought would happen. Community was built. Memory was made. And some cookies were received. Some prayer was answered. When we come together, we are invited to pray for whatever we need. And we are to want what we need in prayer. And then let prayer change us and shape us and make us a community we never thought we could be, walking with each other in places we never thought we would do that, and discovering the strength and power of God in the midst of it all. So at 1027 on Thursday morning, I prayed for a fish. I prayed for a fish as I was sitting on the bank tying another fly that I hoped would be the right one. And I looked up and realized that I was standing in one of the most beautiful streams God ever created. I looked up and saw the most amazing cloud patterns in blue in the sky above me. I looked up and 14 feet away I saw a blue heron launch from a branch and head up river. I looked up, and I realized that I was standing in the most blessed place, and I was blessed. And I felt a peace in my heart that I don't know how to replicate in any other way. And that was because I prayed for a fish. So pray. Pray. Don't stop praying. 
Oh, and by the way, on the next cast, 